Hi everyone, welcome back to the Earth Dawn Survival Guide, a podcast for all disciplines, paths, players, and game masters, and, and enthusiasts like Josh and myself. I am Dan. I am Josh. And on today's podcast, we will be discussing all things geological, because we're going to talk about the Brothers of Stone path. Yes, we are making <laughs> our first foray into covering the paths that are in the Mystic Paths book. And not just the solo disciplines of Shaman and Gauntlet that were all new. These are... Right. We, we actually did cover yeah. those previously. We did cover those previously. But those were full-blown disciplines that were in that book. So we had to do those special first because we did all the disciplines first. Now we're going to talk about the individual paths people can join, players, sorry, characters can join, and what it means to be part of this path and exactly how to go about doing so individually. So we'll cover the Brothers of Stone today, and we'll hit the other ones later on. And we're going to mix them up, not necessarily do them all in alphabetical order, like we've done everything else. So uh, let's get into the weeds. So actually, before we get to that, let's remind everybody where they can get a hold of us. It's edsgpodcast at gmail.com. Yes, we're going to do some more dragon stuff later on as well. So if you have more dragon questions that didn't get answered, feel free to get a hold of us. Other than that, Josh, please remind everybody what these paths are or the nature, okay. of how they came about, kind of the game mechanics sure. for it, and all the nitty-gritty details. Because we can finally get into the weeds on these. So one of the things that existed in previous editions, people that might be aware of, was there were some more specialized disciplines. For example, the Horror Stalker. Oh, yeah. For example, the Liberator, the Outcast Warrior. Mm -hmm. The Boatman, the Woodsman. The Boatman, yeah. There were several sort of other racial disciplines specific. that were created. Usually racial specific, but there were some others that were created as well. Many of them out of the first edition days, but some other stuff that was developed later on. Mm -hmm. Or fan material like that was published in the Earth on Journal that was incorporated or updated into third edition. There were yeah. a couple of those as well. One of the things that always kind of bothered and other people as well, this is not me being <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Was that some of these disciplines weren't great? Mm -hmm. Well, for various reasons. Some of them, like, for example, the Horror Stalker, did have kind of a really strong theme that they were built around. But the execution of those themes or mm -hmm. some of the, the stuff that was going on with them, to talk about the Horror Stalker as an example. Yeah. Horrors are big and nasty and bad and deadly, and it's really, really kind of strange, while it makes sense that there would be a discipline built Voted around to, the idea yeah. of hunting and, and fighting horrors, although that is even more focused than adepts in general All the rest are, of them, yeah. It seems really kind of weird what are low circle horror stalkers going to be cutting their teeth on. I mean, obviously, you can talk about horror constructs and undead and things like that. But just generally, a lot of the, the talents and abilities that were made available to horror stalkers, just some of the execution of stuff didn't work so well. Some of the other things, like, for example, the Wind Dancer, which was basically just a windling troubadour with like one or two Different other thing. things. Yeah. Again, 
nothing necessarily wrong with any of these, per se. I certainly mm-hmm. don't want to put down any of the work or effort that was done in earlier editions by the people who created these, whoever mm-hmm. they might be, whether they were developed by in-house staff or freelancers or fans that, you know, it was later adapted and stuff like that. But just in general, when we were approaching things for fourth edition mm-hmm. and seeing what kind of reconceptualization or new approach we might be able to bring to some things, an idea that kind of developed out of the talk of Questor development. Mm-hmm. We talked a little bit about how Questors worked and and where that notion came from, from a, yeah. a mechanical design standpoint. Seemed like a really good fit for, initially, the Lightbearers, which are a secret society that kind of appeared and were a thing in first edition and yeah. in second, but never really have been the focus of anything since then. But the whole idea of a secret society, or as we kind of termed it, a a mystery cult, Mm -hmm. uh, which is an organization that has their own secrets and inducts people within them and passes those secrets along, seemed to be something that would work really, really well for Earthdawn, especially for some of these really strong conceptual bits. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, the Horror Starker has a really strong kind of conceptual core to it. Yeah. But it's feasibility as an actual discipline seemed to not be ideal. Gotcha. And so taking some of those racial disciplines and lesser disciplines, for lack of a better term, I'm kind of making air quotes around that, disciplines that were kind of originally maybe conceived of only going up to circle 10 instead of a full 15, Mm -hmm. the idea being that those maybe aren't as fully practiced or as whatever kind of yeah, there might be metaphysical stuff was going on. Yeah. But basically conceptualizing them, reconceptualizing them as organizations that are devoted to the ideals or the the core tenet of these things and provide some provide a hook upon which to hang some of these really cool unique abilities that some of them had, like some of the horror stalker abilities, some of the the liberator abilities, some oh, of absolutely. the talents that these disciplines were given in earlier editions that were really cool and really interesting and really flavorful, but were kind of not necessarily gelling so well with the idea of a full discipline. Mm-hmm. And so stripping away the need to build a full discipline around them, stripping away the idea that, well, okay, in order for them to be viable, however you may choose to define that, as a player character concept means you need to kind of give them all of this stuff early on and they can't get their iconic, cool, key abilities until later, which Mm -hmm. makes their... Just a whole bunch of stuff going on. Anyway, Morgan went and rebuilt and kind of came up with the... Based on the work we had done with Questors, came up with this whole framework for how these paths, as they came to be known, Mm -hmm. would work, which is that... You have an adept who is following a a discipline, a traditional discipline uh, in this. And that includes sort of shaman and and gauntlet to a certain extent in those. But then there is something that comes along as a story event, something that comes along in the course of maybe a character's background that they are interested in, something that is maybe focused on them as a uh, as a as a 
member of a particular name giver race, mm-hmm. um, whether that's orc or human to talk about the journeyman yeah. or things like that. Mm-hmm. And to distill the essence down and have these paths be a way to provide these cool abilities without needing to have one additional disciplines or new disciplines, yeah. which would generally necessitate multidiscipline characters in order to take advantage of that and get all these cool new tools. And I think it came out really, really well. Generally speaking, I think yeah. the conception, the idea of paths, which is kind of a logical progression of the question of, well, how do we make questors more player character friendly and mm-hmm. maybe give them more tools to play with? And deriving that from, well, we've got a mechanical precedent in journeymen. Yeah. Well, let's extend that to questors. Let's extend that then to these paths. And then what's the framework around which that these can be built, that these can become available? So that's kind of a general, really sloppy... <laughs> development history of how paths came to be what they are. And Morgan took the lead on the Mystic Paths book, um, was the one who worked with the freelancers to do the essays, combined with the mechanical work that he was doing with David Marshall and another person uh, whose name now escapes me, and I apologize, to make all of the cool toys that go along with it shoehorn and cobble all this together. Yes. So paths are an add-on that becomes available to characters once they become journeyman circle. Mm -hmm. The mechanics around which they are built means that you need to have rank five in your, or in a thread weaving talent Mm -hmm. in order to be able to join the path because Gaining access to the path is purchased as a talent knack. And you're joining a group thread. Yeah, there is. So there's there's a whole bunch of like interlocking pieces <laughs> there from a magic theory standpoint, how you get yeah. access to the special abilities of this organization mm-hmm. and how that how the secrecy of that organization is is enforced to a certain extent. You know, why you don't have people going out and teaching these abilities to people who are not members of the path. It's because there is a group pattern. There is an oath that is involved that enforces your adherence to the ideals of the path. In most cases, there are exceptions as always. Generally, you either learn of this organization and seek them out and prove your worth to them, or just by doing what you normally do, you draw Mm -hmm. the attention of them and they come and approach you and determine your suitability as an aspirant to the path and maybe test you and so forth. Yeah. And we'll get into those each each path that we explore. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll kind of cover because each of uh, each path has their own objectives and goals and ways that they test people and determine mm-hmm. who's suitable and so forth. Yeah. But then there's a role playing and in setting story based method to gain access. Obviously, the exact amount of hard work that a game master can require, how many hoops they require the character to jump through in order to (laughs) to get access to it can vary depending on the table. That's fine. But generally speaking, barring the outcast, 
which is a special case in so many ways. Yep. The character needs to prove themselves Mm -hmm. and be inducted as a member of this organization. Therefore... They purchase the knack, basically. They they yeah. get taught the knack by whoever is inducting them into the into the path. Mm-hmm. That knack serves double duty as purchasing the knack binds their thread to the true pattern of the organization mm-hmm. and also gives them access to the talent of the same name. Yeah. And then as they increase their rank in the talent, that opens up slots for them behaving similarly to the primary quest or devotion or the journeyman or the rather the versatility talent for humans, mm-hmm. where having a rank just basically opens up slots for you to learn abilities that or learn talents that the discipline or that the path gives you access to. And that includes unique special talents that are only available to followers of that path Mm -hmm. also provides access to talents that might be useful to followers of that path if they don't have access to them through their normal discipline. Exactly. But the other really big thing is that it also gives you access to a boatload of knacks. There are a lot of (laughs) knacks that are available to followers of a path that are only available to followers of that path that allow them to do cool things like yeah. the tail dancer path for example has multiple schools under it each of which has their own selection of of knacks that allow them special maneuvers when they're doing you know tail dancery fighting stuff that are not otherwise available and generally speaking paths are kind of designed to be not exclusive like Tail dancers are probably going to be sword masters or warriors or something like that, because mm-hmm. a lot of the talents that they have already synergize really well. Yeah. But it's possible that you could have a troubadour who becomes a tail dancer. You know, there's there's very there's different ways. There are some requirements and whatnot in order to to follow yeah. a path. And we'll talk about those as we get to each one of those. Yeah. And and again, each of them is is different and provides a whole bunch of different access and so forth. But there's a one-time well, there's an initial legend cost for purchasing that first knack mm-hmm. that gives you that basically means you have joined the path. It lets you in the gate. Yeah, that's the gate. Yes, it also counts as the it grants you rank one in the talent. It grants you the first rank of the group, you know, of of the thread rank of yeah. the group pattern that you are mm-hmm. sort of attached to. So there there are some mechanical bits and pieces that are fitting together there and and tying into some in-setting material and stuff like that. So if by fifth circle, you're not quite happy with your character and you want to flush them out some more and you're finding it a little too restrictive with the combat, with the talent options, you can become a quester and you can add on one of these paths. It's not even that. I mean, yes, it is a, (laughs) uh, it is a way to provide even more mechanical widgets and customization options for players to play with because Mm -hmm. there are certain schools of player that really like having a lot of mechanical widgets and bits and pieces to fiddle around with. Yes. That is a perfectly valid approach in terms of how you might want to play your game. But there is also, as so many things in Earth Dawn, a connection between that mechanical complexity Mm -hmm. And the narrative 
underlying that within the setting. Yes. Is that generally speaking, and again, what you do at your own table is up to you, but generally speaking, you would become a horror stalker because of some kind of story development over the course of the campaign Mm -hmm. that makes you want to pursue this particular goal. Yeah. One of the things about paths, and this is something that was also kind of an issue with the old with the old discipline versions of these, like Horror Stalker yes. or Liberator or a couple of others. Purifier. Is that because of their focus on this particular key aspect. Aspect of them. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting here like making waves with my hands, and of course <laughs> Only I can see this. Only I speak only I speak finger I, f- I speak finger bang. It's yeah. Aspect is the word you were looking for. Key aspects of, yeah. Yes. (laughs) That would either make a campaign revolve around them Mm -hmm. or have that character feel under or undeveloped because things are not focusing on them. If you've got a horror stalker and your game is not focused on horrors, there's a lot of stuff that they're not going to be able to do. If you've got a liberator, you're generally going to be wanting to deal with slavery in a rather direct fashion, at yeah. least in the, the previous iterations of this. Mm-hmm. When we get to particular fourth Pass. edition updates, we'll talk about some of the expansion of ideas that kind of went in to make them a little bit more broadly applicable. Absolutely. But in the same kind of way that potentially an air sailor adept or a cavalryman adept has yes. their story revolving around a particular thing – that if it is not part of the game or is not part of the campaign mm-hmm. might make those characters feel a little bit underappreciated. A little bit of the reason why Sky Raider was adapted for fourth edition the way that it was to try and reduce a little bit some of that reliance on the airship as a core concept. Yes. Similar thing kind of happens with paths is that, mm-hmm. you know, if you are going to be following a path, you are making a conscious focused choice about at least a certain aspect of your character's story and story development that should be reflected in the campaign and what goes on in it. For some paths, it's a lot easier to accomplish than with others, but we will get into that. (laughs) So let's get into that because we're, you know, 20 odd minutes in or so. We can kind of break down the Brother of Stone, I believe. And one last thing. Yeah. One last thing before we get into that. If my explanation was not coherent enough, (laughs) if you have any particular questions or even better, like if you have specific questions, (laughs) feel free to send them in and ask them. It is a lot easier in some respects for me to address a specific question than it is a more general one. Because (laughs) look, if you're still with us here after 75 episodes, you understand how I answer questions. It is a lot easier for me to be specific, provide examples, and I can cover that. I'm going to develop a hand signal I can give Josh for land this plane because you are circling <laughs> the field. <laughs> but after 75, but anyway, I'm hearing Josh explain it all. So it's okay. Send, so, send those in. Please all right. Send those in. Brother of so, Stone. Brother of Stone. So is this an offshoot of what the purifier used to be? I think it is. Ah, yes. The other aspect of the development. So the Obsidiman racial discipline. They only had one. In first edition was the Purifier. Which I loved. The Purifier was a little bit 
chimerical? That's not the word I'm looking for. But like, is the purifier an obsidian thing? Or mm-hmm. is it a cleansing the earth thing? Yeah. When going back and when Morgan was going back and looking at the purifier, there were a couple of strong themes that came out of that. Mm-hmm. One of them is the obsidian thing. Yeah. Another is the cleansing the world of horror taint thing. Mm-hmm. And there might have been a third thing. Oh, the third thing of the purifier was of the original purifier yeah. was the obsidian strong punchy gude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So each of those kind of Splintered themes off. <laughs> of the old school purifier got yeah. broken out into their own thing. The strong punchy obsidian thing got turned into the gauntlet. Gotcha. In part, like it was part of the inspiration for the gauntlet. Obviously, the gauntlet went a lot farther. Yes, but the gauntlet grew out of the idea of big, strong, slow, punchy dude. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that then leaves us with the Obsidian thing and the... Purifying the Earth. Purifying the Earth thing. And it seemed kind of weird to not necessarily allow the Purifying the Earth thing to be available to other name-giver races. Yeah. In a similar way that the, the whole... St- traveled scholar idea seems mm-hmm. weird to limit to just dwarves because there's nothing inherently dwarfish yeah. about it. And so the purifying the earth thing it kind of broken off into its own thing. It's a different approach. It deals with horrors, but in a different way than the horror stalker does and in a different way than say questors of Jasper might, although there's certainly places where they Overlap. synergize yeah. and might be working together on a goal. Well, let's take the obsidian stuff. Yeah. What is it that's unique about Obsidian that can be taken and fleshed out as a organization, as a secret mm-hmm. society, as its own unique brotherhood? Yes. And what kind of cool toys can we give them to kind of play along that notion? Exactly. So what this has morphed into, if I can summarize, I can't say quickly, but summarize it all, is the Brothers of Stone see the horrors as not only a threat to just name givers, but a threat to the earth and the land and the water itself. And that they have, their corruption stems more from more than just two name givers. It absolutely despoils anything that they touch. And so there is a communal foundation for the brothers of stone based upon the respect of, and for the earth itself as another victim of the horrors. So if you support the, the Earth as a living being, Gaia theory, then yes, <laughs> then the horrors have polluted the Earth herself. And so they also look at that there's no difference between obsidian from one life rock or another life rock. They just happen to be different places that they were birthed from. And so they treat one obsidian like they treat all obsidian, exactly the same. So there's no uh, distinction among the brotherhood themselves to go, well, you're from that life rock, therefore you're a step down or a step up from anybody else. We're all the same. And so there's this very egalitarian communal aspect to the brotherhood of stone. And the original group was uh, 11 obsidian birthed from seven different life rocks. So... They really solidified that number down and they took with them that there is a great lesson of the core 
the core of the earth, the core of their foundation, the core of the philosophy behind the brotherhood, which is that life rocks are therefore the extension of the earth. They're like the earth's arms. So when they're birthed inside of the mountain, they're coming out of the arms. And so the cinnamon see themselves as kind of like the movable fingers and opposable thumbs of Gaia herself, the earth, and that they are here to communicate with the elements, elementals, and life rocks themselves. And mm-hmm. all of cinnamon, therefore, are connected to each other through the earth. So how's that for a heavy trip for you? Yeah, there are a couple of racial-specific paths within the book, some of them of which were adapted from previous racial disciplines. Yes. But the focus of those is pretty different from what it was previously. Like the focus of Agreed. the Brotherhood of Stone is focusing on what makes Obsidimen unique and special among name givers. That is being born from a life rock. Yes. That unique physiology, that special connection that they feel with the life rock and the earth itself as a result, and seeing each life rock as an extension of the earth and how that philosophically mm-hmm. extends to, well, we are all siblings yes. united, despite the fact that we may be born from different life rocks, but doing a lot to focus on those kind of core, uniquely Obsidiman ideas. And when we talk about, when we get to the the Fire Eater, yeah. which is the orc racial path, mm-hmm. that is one that revolves and is focused around the uniquely orc trait of Gahad. Just like the Journeyman focuses on the unique human trait of versatility. Not every discipline gets a gets a path in that way, but those races, those name giver races that do have some of those unique traits tend to have paths that are focused around them. So as the Brotherhood is a group you can join by tying your thread to it and getting your first rank and spend your points and all that stuff, their main purpose is that they are there to repair any damage to the core of the earth, the land itself, And their secondary purpose is to find and bury those who have died within the life rocks because the horrors corrupted them and those obsidian were never allowed to be born. And so Mm -hmm. that's the other thing is to make peace with the life rock itself, cleanse it by letting those obsidian who never came out be buried and uh, therefore cleansed as well. But they also have a responsibility to guide others to respect the earth itself and not just... That is a, a more recent development yes. among the Brotherhood of Stone mm-hmm. because, of course, it's something that is a result of the aftermath of the Scourge. Oh, it, and also the uh, the attack on the Ayodhya life rock. Yes, that is also another thing that, <laughs> from a kind of retcon point of view, the Brotherhood of Stone were heavily involved with the Life Rock Rebellion because the landing of the Triumph on Iodia was a crime against Obsidian and the philosophical nature of the Brotherhood of Stone itself. Mm-hmm. But one of the sort of post hoc justifications <laughs> for why these things that are new in fourth edition and yet suddenly seem to have a history within the setting back prior to the inception of this phase of the timeline yeah, is that, well, paths are by their very nature, secretive organizations. And Mm -hmm. so generally are not going to be getting the attention, you know, and that the stories that are actually told within 
bar save within the the setting itself, the actual tales and legends mm-hmm. that are circulated around, because paths are connected to a discipline, people who were part of that path would get credit maybe for being the discipline that they follow as opposed to focusing on the path. So that's another sort of setting wibbly wobbly hand wavy (laughs) stuff that we did to allow some things that in theory would have existed prior to our creation of them. Yeah. But why they might not have appeared in previous stuff. Well, it's also a good again story. talking talking from a diegetic within the setting perspective. There's there's your ten dollar word for the day, uh, and also a good way to keep the well. My my, uh, I've played a character in first or second or third edition. And I've poured it over the stuff, and I did a dual discipline of say purifier before. How do I carry him into fourth edition? Well, paths kind of make that. You had this before. Tweak it now. You can have it again. Yeah, just. It's a way to carry that over to say, don't re, don't just throw away that character you've spent all this time developing. Kind of just retweak them a little bit, and you can just continue to play them as they are now. So that's the overall gist of a Brother of Stone from the essay we got. Uh, then there, of course, is the Hey Josh, I want to join. I want I have my Obsidian Weaponsmith per se, and I would like to come join the Brotherhood of Stone because I think this is you know a logical. Next step for my character to play. And, you know, how do we get that done? Well, there's a council of elders that is in charge of the Brotherhood. And if they deem you, I can't even say worthy, but you have to interview with them or actually interview with three members that are rank five or higher. And you spend a whole day just being interviewed (laughs) by them. And they have to like your answers because they deliberate for a little while, then they come back to you. So it's, you know, sun up to sundown questions from, you know, three other uh, obsidian or members of the group that are asking you questions. And I, you know, I've been on an hour long interview. I can't say I've been on a 12 hour long interview by three different people. That's, that's a lot. You're an obsidian man. (laughs) To crib from Tolkien here briefly, there is a certain entishness to the obsidian man (laughs) where they take a very long time and, and, you know, anything worth saying is worth saying well, and it takes a long time and obsidian men by their general nature are patient and slow. And so while (laughs) yes, you or I might uh, start getting a little bit fuzzy brained after an hour long interview, this thing for the obsidian men, if you cannot reflect Mm-hmm. The patience and <laughs> thoughtfulness that is the hallmark of obsidian nature in yeah. some respects, at least as this organization perceives it, mm-hmm. then you are not worthy to join it. Yes. That is the particular method by which the Brotherhood of Stone sort of initially determines whether a candidate would be suitable or not. Yes. And then once they have made that decision, whether that you know whether that comes with a recommendation from an existing member or whatever then the initiate is tasked with an ordeal yes. and this is something that is kind of key to the whole paths thing mm-hmm. that is that the aspirant is given a task is given some kind of job or mission or goal other thing or goal that they need to achieve in order to demonstrate their worthiness. And 
the style of the ordeal, of course, depends on the the particular path. Obviously, in the case of the Brothers of Stone, that is going to be something largely revolving around life rocks or that sort of thing. Maybe it's going to find a, a life rock that uh, has not been heard from since the scourge or you know any other number of things. But these ordeals are actually something that should be worked into an ongoing campaign. I don't think really that they should be hand-waved, no. much like recovering the, the or learning the key knowledge of magic items. Mm-hmm. They are something that, that a game master should work into the ongoing story of the campaign and yeah. make the focus of an adventure or something that is an aspect of an adventure that the group is working on. Because yeah. again, Paz should t- be telling you something about the kind of game that the player wants to be involved with, the kind of story that they want to be involved with. Mm-hmm. And so you should provide that to them. But in order to advance in rank in your path, you need to undergo an ordeal at each step of the way. Yeah. In similar in a similar way to how your passion as a questor will require you to undergo a certain trial or test or achieve some kind of end for them Do when you deeds. go from, you know, when you advance in tier. Yeah. Similar kind of case with paths, only it's at every rank that you do that. So these don't necessarily need to be super hard, epic quests. Mm-hmm. Something is probably just resolved in a session or two as the focus of, or as a side thing on a particular adventure that might be going on. Yeah. But because you are initiated and advanced in ranks as you progress, you need to demonstrate your continued devotion to the path and its ideals and demonstrate that you deserve it. Exactly. So let's clear this up real quick before I lose track of this one. The Brotherhood of Stone is obsidian-based. Can any other races join this, or is it just obsidian only? Well... <laughs> Since it's a group pattern, what you do is you go to the back part of the Mystic Paths book. Yes. And you go to the back section of the Talent Nax chapter, and you get to page 299 of Mystic Paths, which is where the path Nax begin. There you go. Each path has its own knack, and it lists the requirements, what you must B, what you must have in order to qualify to learn that knack. So for the Brother of Stone, yes, it requirements are rank five thread weaving, because all path knacks are based off of thread weaving. Yes. You must be able to speak Obsidiman. Okay. Anybody can mm-hmm. in theory do that. You need to read be able to read and write Obsidiman. Okay, in theory. Anybody can do that. Yeah. Obsidiman mm-hmm. lore, the skill, rank five. So you need to know a lot about being an Obsidiman. To even qualify at that point, you need to have invested Mm -hmm. points and character development. I mean, you can't get Obsidian Lore rank five at character creation. No. You maybe took a rank or two at the beginning, but you Mm -hmm. have to have acquired more ranks as as the game has gone on. Yes. And you must complete a Brother of Stone ordeal. ordeal. Now, in theory, there is nothing there that prevents any... Not not obsidian. Other name giver race yeah. from becoming a brother of stone. If they are showing sufficient devotion to obsidian ways to be able to to speak and read and write obsidian and to learn that much obsidian lore, 
if they can, in theory, impress the elders, mm-hmm. from a practical standpoint, you need to be an Obsidiman to do it. Like, it's a very <laughs> obsidiman thing to do. Yes. But if you want to, player characters by their very nature are mm-hmm. exceptions. Yes. And if you at your table. Want to pursue this. Yeah. Want to pursue this. Let's put it this way. There are no examples of any Brothers of Stone that are not Obsidiman <laughs> in any published material. And it is very, very, very unlikely that there ever will. Yeah. The idea is that this is the racial thing. Mm -hmm. This is the Obsidiman racial path. Yeah. In contrast to the Purifier, which has similar kind of things, but is less Life Rock focused. Yeah. Fair. So, wanted to make sure that that was out there, because I know for journeymen, you have to be a human. Well, right. That's a restriction. Part of that is because you need to have the versatility talent. (laughs) Ta-da. Much like to be a brother of, uh, a fire eater, rather. Yes. You need to have Gahad, and only Mm -hmm. orcs have Gahad. Exactly. So tail dancer, you basically need to have a tail, which means it rules out everybody except to Scrang for the most part. So wanted to make sure since, since the brothers of stone sounds really obsidian and heavy, not a pun. Sorry. Uh, it is. Yes, it's, it it should be, but there's no explicit restriction like some of the other ones out there. So we'll get to all the restrictions if there are one, as we cover the, the paths, uh, as we go. So it's uh, 500 legend points to buy the knack. Mm-hmm. It also costs two blood magic damage because you are taking an oath to follow the the Brother of Stone path. You are joining that organization and must swear a blood oath in order to, yeah. to do so. But it gives you access to the Brother of Stone talent mm-hmm. at rank one, um, which gives you access to start buying some of the talents. And they and there's a whole and there's a whole separate karma ritual. As well, for the Brothers of Stone. Well, what actually happens with Followers of a Path, you don't get mm-hmm. a separate karma ritual. <laughs> what happens is that your car- your character's karma ritual, because the karma ritual is a personal expression yes. of your adept philosophy, mm-hmm. your karma ritual, you will adjust and adapt and change your karma ritual, because it's possible that it can change and adapt and grow as your character progresses through the normal circles of their discipline. Yes. Taking on a path, Mm -hmm. because it is kind of attached to your discipline, will shape and refine and modify your karma ritual to reflect this new philosophy and this new focus that you are bringing into your adept's mystical life. Exactly. So there are examples or such ways that the karma ritual will be modified Mm -hmm. based on that. So for the brother of stone, the brother of storm, they will perform their karma ritual while in contact with earth or stone. Yeah. As a, and, and sort of connect with that as they do. So for an example that they give in, that we give in the book, a weaponsmith would perform their karma ritual while barefoot making their weapon because the, the, Weaponsmith ritual often involves crafting a rapidly crafting an item of some sort, will craft something that is a representation of their brotherhood. Mm-hmm. So there are examples of how your your character's karma ritual might be modified and yeah. the kind of common elements that would be incorporated as a result of your path into that. Mm-hmm. You also get access to some new half magic stuff. All very cool. The Brothers of Stone half magic can use this to find other brothers of stone and know the history of brothers of stone because 
Uh, and they also get to, and this is also, by the way, always active. So they just kind of have this knowing about uh, the other Brothers of Stone. I think part of what, at least in the Brother of Stone case, there is the mystical connection because of the group pattern and the blood mm-hmm. oath that is sworn. But I think what would likely be the case with any of these paths and the organizations thereof is that they would still know of each other. Mm-hmm. And so the half magic ability to find other brothers of stone would be basically, oh, I heard that brother Kaufman was in Travar, So, yeah. you know, I will be able to locate him there kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Some aspects of it sometimes might be like a mystical connection, but it's also just a general knowledge of like a reflection of how much do you know about what is going on with the group that you're yeah. a part of. I figured it was more like the more like kind of the quickening from Highlander where, oh, I know, no. <laughs> I know somebody's close by. I need to go find him. You can dress it up, I guess, yeah. how you want. You can skin it however you want. But mm-hmm. the general idea is that you know what's going on and you know other members of your organization yeah and your ability to have that information to hand yeah i uh, sorry i misspoke it's you can actually sense the elemental spirits yeah within 30 yards that's that's a was, separate thing that's a separate that's thing. similar to the elementalist or nethermancer abilities or the mm-hmm. shaman abilities that allow you to sense spirits in the area i conflated the two morgan was probably screaming at me at that point because he's yelling at me that i got it wrong so i retract my for earlier statement you can sense <laughs> you're allowed to get it wrong dan i am i get a lot of things wrong that's why i talk to john i am not allowed to get it wrong <laughs> i i actually i'm allowed to get it wrong too i just feel worse about it no, I still feel pretty bad because I'm I'm the co-host of the show. So I feel pretty bad about it. Anyway, so as you said, the Brother of Stone talent knack is a master tier. So it's and it only goes to a maximum rank of 10. You can't go higher than 15. Right. So there are kind of two traits of a path. And mm-hmm. that is the, the tier that basically determines how much it costs to purchase the initial knack or the rank one in the talent, Mm -hmm. and how much it costs to advance your ranks in that path as time goes by. Part of that is a reflection of how powerful the abilities that are available to the the path is. Mm -hmm. It's also a little bit of a reflection of how much is available to the path. In the case of the Brother of Stone, they can get up to rank 10. Not Mm -hmm. all paths go to rank 10. Some of them only go to, say, rank 5. Yeah. Part of that is a reflection of, well, what special abilities do they have? How advanced should we feel the character should be in order to get access to some of these abilities? How does that reflect Like, how do they scale in terms of relative to journeyman talents or, mm-hmm. or master tier talents or that kind of stuff? Yeah. That being said, let's see what everybody gets. The other thing, and you may have been leading into this, but the other thing that paths are kind of cool at that is an advantage, mechanically speaking, mm-hmm. over dual discipline characters. Because yeah. if you may recall, we talked about this when we talked about multidiscipline characters, however long ago that was. Yes, many episodes. Multidiscipline characters, you don't stack bonuses of the same type. Mm-hmm. If you're following a, a discipline that gives you a bonus to physical defense, and, your and you're following, you pick thing. up another discipline that also gives a bonus to physical defense, you only get the highest of whichever of one yeah. of the two, you don't get to add them together. Mm-hmm. Paths also provide defense and similar bonuses to disciplines. 
Yes. But they explicitly do stack with the bonuses of the discipline that they are associated with. Mm-hmm. So it is, a, it is, in a way, you can get even more numerical power out of a path than you would from a dual discipline character. There you are. So another, a nice... Kind of a carrot. That's okay. It's a, it's a very nice carrot because it's a nice way to, as you pointed out, to story-wise, flesh out more about your character and involve them in, in a lot more things. But then as well, you get a mechanical benefit to do so. Well, there's the stick that goes along with it as well, <laughs> which are all of the requirements and restrictions that go along with yeah. being a member of a path, which is to say that you are kind of beholden to them. You are part of a group. Yeah. They take, that sort of thing. They take a select few. You're honored to be a part of it, but those are the requirements to get in. But once you get in, yeah, there's, there's carrots there. Uh, so let's go with this rank one. You can get a, a new talent rank two. Yeah. You get a plus one mystic defense rank three and, 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 and a talent rank three. Right. Talent rank four plus one physical defense Rank five and six talents each. Rank seven plus t- another uh, mystic defense bonus. Rank eight, an additional recovery test per day. Rank nine, another physical defense bonus. And rank 10, uh, another recovery test. So basically you get a talent, you get 10 more talents. One at each Potentially. rank. Potentially, yeah. And then you get all these little bonuses as well. So two mystic defense bonuses, two physical defense bonuses, and two recovery tests along your new path. Plus. Plus access to all of the knacks that are available as a Brother of Stone. Yes. So these are the these are the optional talents you can pick up. And you may already have you may already have them, which is fine. You only get 10 of these. So from ranks one through four, you can pick up any of these four. Astral Sight. We'll get to, we'll get to the new ones here in a second. Astral Sight, Danger Sense, Item History, Navigation, Steel Thought, True Sight, Wilderness Survival. And wound balance, and there's two new ones that are in this book alone. Deliberate assault, which is a big, like, page long. <laughs> and what is deliberate deliberate assault? Deliberate assault, actually, we talked about. Deliberate assault is a talent that's available to oh, yeah. the gauntlet. It is one of the mm-hmm. foundational talents upon which the gauntlet combat style is built. There is a certain synergy that's available between the gauntlet, which is which was historically within the setting originally yeah. a an obsidian sort of discipline okay. and fighting style but is available to others yeah. but deliberate assault is a talent that allows the obsidian or you know if they take it as the brother of stone reduces yes. their initiative in order to act later and gain a bonus to their attack based on the difference between their initiative <laughs> and the person that they are hitting yes which is awesome and then uh, the other new one, Earth Bond. Yeah. Earth Bond is a healing talent. They can either heal themselves or heal the land. If they heal, heal themselves, themselves, they spend a recovery test and gain bonuses. Yeah. They make a test against a difficulty number and get bonuses to the recovery test based on how many successes they score. But they... Since they healed themselves, the land kind of is depleted a little bit of its energy. So yeah, the yeah, they're, they're drawing on the energy of the of the earth to heal themselves. Yeah, other way around, they can try and heal the land. It's mm-hmm. as if they cast purify earth and purify water. The earth bond test is considered the spell casting test for the purposes of the stuff that those spells do. Yeah, 
So I find that a great storytelling use of a talent to say what happens to you or the earth itself is a nice give and take. And so other people can see that effect. So it's a nice little storytelling tidbit to throw in uh, to the game as it happens. And then, so that's what you can get at, you know, ranks one, two, three, and four, any of those that you want. And why would you not take the last two? So at rank five, six, seven, and eight, there's four of these options as well. Earth Skin, Iron Constitution, Resist Taunt, and Temper Self. And the two new ones are Earth Speak. Earth Speak is a communication talent. It allows the user of the talent to speak with nearby Earth Elementals. Only Earth Elementals, as opposed yes. to the Elemental Tongues, Tongues talent that Elementalists get, which allow them to talk to every type of Elemental Spirit. Yeah. Or Earth Speak is just Earth Elementals. Yeah, that's all you're concerned with. And then Earth Walk. Earth Walk is cool. Earth Walk <laughs> is great. <laughs> Basically, it allows the user to submerge themselves into the Earth and to move through it as if it were water, kind of like the Earth Kirill, yeah. the creature. Mm-hmm. There is some limitations. You can't move through obstructions in the Earth. If there's a tree root blocking your way, you can't just go through the root. You have to kind of go around it. Yeah. Metal or actual stones Stone. as opposed to just dirt. Yeah. Boulders. Might block the way. Boulders, like that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. The walls, but uh... yeah, it allows you it allows you to basically <laughs> sink into the earth, move and emerge. Yeah. Can't quite go through bedrock. So can't quite tunnel underneath Trevar. Um, it lasts yeah. up to the to the adept's rank in minutes and they can pay the strain again at the end of the duration to continue that use of it. Yeah. So they can so, continue to pay strain to extend the the duration to maintain it. All all very cool up to rank 8 and then rank 9 and rank 10 you get two of these and there's four options. So good luck with this. Relentless recovery yeah, that's a high circle talent that I think we've covered a couple of times. That one gives you additional, I don't have that book right handy with me. I think it gives you additional recovery tests and maybe bonuses to your recovery tests as well. Yeah. It's in the companion. We'll go with that. Resist pain, which is kind of obvious there. Yeah, resist uh, pain I, is I, a phenomenal talent. It basically reduces <laughs> the penalty from wounds. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, Unflinching Fortitude, we've covered before as well. And the new one, Wisdom of Ages. This allows the <laughs> Brother of Stone to commune with their life rock over any distance. There you go. The Adept can, on a successful test, gain a general sense of their Brotherhood's well-being. Mm -hmm. And the more successes they get on that, the more detailed and specific the information might be. Yeah. They can also use that talent. Another way it can be used is to actually seek the guidance of the Brotherhood. It's a higher base mm -hmm. difficulty number, but uh, it basically gives them bonuses to certain things like they choose a skill and mm -hmm. make a test and tap into the combined knowledge of their Brotherhood that is represented within their life rock. And each success yeah. on the test gives them a bonus on the skill test. Or gives them effectively nice. plus one rank in the skill yeah, for the purposes of, of doing a test. It does not allow them to, to go beyond rank 10, which is the maximum rank for skills, but yeah. basically allows them to mystically gain potentially any kind of skill that they want for a limited period of time. Mm -hmm. For knowledge skills and stuff like that, that is yeah. 
amazing. That is unreal. But yeah, they don't they don't need to have the skill in the first place in order to use that. It also mm-hmm. doesn't provide access to any like knacks or other inherently magical aspects. It is actually just granting them the mundane skill. Yeah. They have to spend karma in order to fuel it, but don't get to add karma dice. Well, and there's a there's a stick to that as well. You can't just keep asking, keep asking, keep asking until until you get it right. You can only ask like a couple once per day, and then wait till the next sunrise yeah. to ask again. So it's not like it's I just tap into this computer database over here and access the skill I want, like the Matrix. No, this is you get to ask, you know, for one thing. It's incredibly, incredibly powerful. It's hence badass. its limited usage. Yes, um, potentially, potentially game breakingly <laughs> abusive. But it's really, really cool and flavorful and thematic that by the time you are a rank nine or ten brother yeah. of stone, you mm-hmm. are you you have cultivated a very strong connection with your life rock and being able, yeah. therefore, to mystically tap into the knowledge that is contained within your life rock, which has mm-hmm. the combined life experience of however many obsidian it might have had over the course of its centuries of existence. Yes. It's just really freaking cool. Yeah, because it's it's like – because in the essay it says it's like talking to your mom, her mom, her mom, and her mom all at the same time. And then, of course, all of them, all the ancestors, period, that have ever been part of that life rock. Yeah, that's dozens of people whose knowledge you can lean upon. So, One last thing I want to run through here because that's the last of the abilities of the talents that are available. Yes. Because there are just a lot of them. I'm not going to go and run through all of the knacks that are potentially available to Brothers of Stone. However, I do want to highlight the Brother of Stone knacks. Mm -hmm. Knacks that are gated off of based of your rank as a Brother of Stone. And this is something that's available to most of the paths that allows them basically additional karma spending abilities for most Mm -hmm. of them. So for the Brother of Stone, for example, at rank two... They gain access to Earth Cloak. Oh, there uh, you The go. Brother of Stone can spend a karma point on tests to conceal their presence in a primarily rocky area. They have to yeah. be in direct contact with the Earth, but it allows them to spend karma to basically cam- help camouflage themselves. Nice. At rank three, they can spend a karma point on a test to detect or find things which are in contact with Earth or Stone. So it basically mm-hmm. sort of enhances their searching ability within areas that are in line with their style. Yeah. At rank one, they can spend a karma point on any wound balance test. To not get knocked over. Yeah. At rank four, they can spend a karma point on a recovery test. Now, some of these become available to, they don't need to purchase these knacks, but mm-hmm. if they are following a discipline that don't normally get access to that, then that then these sorts of things can come in handy. Yes. At rank nine, Brother of Stone, they get Stone Flesh Knack, which allows them to spend a karma point to increase their physical and mystic armor by plus two against one damage or effect test. They can nice. basically boost their armor at mm-hmm. the point of a, at the cost of a point of karma. Which almost no one else can do. <laughs> yeah, it needs to be used before they actually know the results of the test. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it can only be used, you know, a certain number of times per round. But at rank two, I mean, at rank nine, you're already... Mm-hmm. And if they are affected by Earth Skin, the effects actually last until the end of the round. Nice. So they only need to spend one karma to get its effect for the entire round. There are others as well, but yeah, these are the kinds of things that will give you additional circumstances under which you can spend karma on things. Because mm-hmm. admittedly, 
karma pools are not necessarily as part of like part of the uh, knock on effects of the changes that we made to how karma works in fourth edition in the sense of Mm -hmm. how much of it you get and how frequently it refreshes and things like that. When you get a whole bunch of different ways that you can spend karma, it starts becoming a a consideration (laughs) again. Am I going to spend karma on this stuff? When you are a low circle character, you know, first circle, second circle, you don't have a very large karma pool. Yeah. And so you are kind of end up being a little bit careful maybe about what you're spending your karma on. As you get into higher circles, particularly into higher journeymen or or low master or whatever, your mm-hmm. karma pool has gotten a little bit larger and you may be a little bit more judicious in its use. But now we're yeah. going to throw in potentially a whole bunch more ways that you can spend karma just to make your life more complicated. <laughs> <laughs> and again, none of these are required. I mean, obviously they're yeah. nax. It does cost legend points to earn them. But if there are some cool things. It's a one-time cost. Like you're a troubadour, brother of stone. You might not be able to spend karma on a recovery test. Well, now you can pick up an act that allows you to do so. Yeah, exactly. And like I said, to Josh's point from a lot earlier, this is a story to add to your character, to enhance your character and the game itself. So now you've got your main path that you, your main path that you walk in your discipline and a secondary path that you follow as well as part of this, um, secret handshake wink and the nod group that also has this secondary objective to follow. So you've again, I'm not going to get into them, but no, the earth bond talent, which is unique to oh, the brother yeah. of stone has one, mm-hmm. two, three has like six or seven knacks just yeah. for that talent. Yeah. All of which kind of gr- build off and expand mm-hmm. the knack trees for lack of a better term. Like, especially when, we, when we're talking about some of these more unique path talents and whatnot, yeah. really, really showcase some of the kind of creative stuff that you can do with knacks. I'm just so impressed in so many ways with <laughs> the, the work that Morgan did in terms of developing and fleshing out the mechanics of this whole thing. It, it really turned out well. Um... I have an obsidian character that I'm looking at this going. I had an obsidian weaponsmith who was going to follow the purifier second discipline. And so when I play him in fourth edition, I'm doing the same thing. I'm going to add on the brother of stone. Cause I, I still think it turned out incredibly cool. Any final thoughts on brothers of stone? No. Or have you pontificated enough? <laughs> I've rambled. I have rambled enough. That's okay. I don't know if we have, have time to cover an hour, but we covered an hour. So, Oh Yeah. Oh, we could like, I mean, if we wanted to get into like the knacks and stuff, we could go on we for probably cover an another hour. hour. Yeah, exactly. Because they're just cool. I strongly recommend that anybody who does not have it pick up Mystic Paths, even just in PDF. Yeah. Because there is stuff in there. You get two full disciplines. You get the Shaman, you get the Gauntlet, mm-hmm. both of which are really, really good. Um, Gauntlet, yeah. which is all new. Shaman, which is completely rebuilt from... The ground up. The ground up. You get access to a whole bunch of these paths that we're going to be talking about sporadically here throughout the next several episodes. Mm -hmm. You get access to, you get a whole bunch of new knacks, some of which may be usable by your character without necessarily needing to pick up Mm -hmm. a path. So there's a whole bunch of stuff in here that is just really, really cool for players and game masters to take advantage of. 
Exactly. So folks, uh, if you have any questions for us, please contact us at edsgpodcast at gmail.com. And until next episode, it is time for you to go purify your legend. Good night, everybody. (laughs) 